Welcome to Canada's most irreverent talk show. This is The Andrew Lawton Show, brought to you by True North. Coming up, a look at the massive and historic gun rally in March on Parliament Hill over the weekend. The Andrew Lawton Show starts right now. Hello and welcome everyone to another edition of The Andrew Lawton Show here on True North, Canada's most irreverent talk show, September 14th, 2020. It is so great to have you aboard the show. We're going to do things a little bit differently today. I'm going to do a deep dive into an event that I had the great privilege of being at over the weekend, the Integrity March on Parliament Hill. Gun owners, gun advocates, gun rights activists standing up for basically integrity from lawmakers. That's what they want. But there's more to that, and that's why I want to spend the show delving into it. First off, this event was hosted by the Canadian Coalition for Firearm Rights. I've spoken with them on the show in the past, and actually when this event was announced, I had its executive director, Rod Giltaka, on to talk about it. That was a few weeks ago. And it was important for me to be there as a gun owner, yes, but also someone who believes in the fundamental principle of liberty and freedom to own property and the right to not have government go in and take that for no reason. And that's really what the gun debate is about in Canada right now. The federal government wanting to scapegoat legal and lawful gun owners for crimes committed by people that aren't following the law, that aren't respecting the rules, and who didn't even access their firearms through the legal mechanisms in Canada. Most notably, the Nova Scotia shooting, where it was used as justification for the government to impose a a massive and sweeping ban of 1,500 types of firearms, despite the fact that the Nova Scotia shooter did not have a gun license and obtained none of his firearms legally. But that didn't matter, because for Bill Blair, for Justin Trudeau, for the entire Liberal government, it's all about going after the law-abiding gun owners. And that's why I think there was so much frustration and why people came from literally all over the country to be in Ottawa on a Saturday in the middle of a pandemic. And I think this was a, a really great display. And I want to talk about all of this because there was so much that happened at the march itself and also the conversations that I had with people, organizers and attendees outside of that. So let's get right into it here because I wanted to establish why this event happened in the first place. I was able to get a few minutes with Rod Giltaka on the ground. This was a, a couple of blocks from the rally site before the march. And I, I wanted you to hear in the CCF far as words why this event was an important one you and i spoke when this idea first was announced and the pitch that you put was a, a really interesting one and one that we don't hear a lot from gun owners which is we want to be seen and, and we want to be heard so what's the goal for today well i, I think we've over the last couple decades we've taken the course of just keeping quiet minding our own business that hasn't worked obviously we're under assault again for the actions of criminals and i think our goal today is just to, to for gun owners to just be proud of Canadian gun culture. We have a very vibrant gun culture. Guns are nothing new in Canada. They've been around since con- before Confederation. Uh, it's a it's a very it's a very well adopted culture and uh, and well adjusted. And we just want to be we want to be noticed by the government because what we've been doing so far in the last year or so just hasn't seemed to be it hasn't worked. So we uh, 
we just need to be present, I guess. One of the big things I've seen in, in the gun debate is that you can put forward the best position, the best argument. And in a lot of cases, I, I don't think that the liberals, well, we know the liberals haven't been listening to them, but in a lot of ways, you have to prove the numbers, I think. Because if the argument's not selling people alone, you have to show just how many people are affected by the gun grab that was put into effect a few months ago. How many people are affected by a lot of these things that really don't do anything for uh, crime, but just target the people that are gonna be out today. That's absolutely true. That's a totally accurate statement. And gun owners are tired of it. I mean, I'm at the end of the day, I'm, I'm just a gun owner too, trying to get the government out of my life. And no, the liberals aren't listening. Um, and they have all these numbers. The, the liberals know exactly what they're doing, right? I mean, it's, it's probably a, a common misconception that they're not sure or they're trying a few things or really concerned about crime. They are not concerned about crime whatsoever. It's been record shootings in Toronto since the gun ban, you know, uh, months and months ago. Uh, and it's not going to stop until we make more noise and say we're Canadians too. We deserve to be respected like everybody else. And, and that's what we're hoping to accomplish. We obviously know there could be an election at any point. So you don't know who's going to be the prime minister in four, five, six months, let alone a year. We know that there is this amnesty period that was put in with the gun grab, with the AR-15 and so-called assault weapons ban. So things could change in the next little while. Beyond the numbers, beyond these are how many gun owners there are in Canada, what's really the core idea that you think politicians of all sides need to understand about gun owners? Well, gun owners are almost all great people, right? We're vetted daily. Uh, there's a very strict licensing regime. I think a lot, of, um, a lot of Canadians don't understand how difficult it is to actually to legally acquire guns. It's far easier to do it illegally. And uh, I think at the end of the day, the democratic principles that we all should share should hold true. So if you want to take something away from hundreds of thousands, if not millions, there's millions of gun owners. But in this case with the gun ban, there's hundreds of thousands of Canadians affected. If you want to take something away from them, you have to prove that licensed gun owners represent a disproportionate risk to public safety, and the government couldn't care less about proving that. That's why it's a really big problem. The message behind the march, the integrity march, what is it about integrity that you think is connected with gun ownership? Well, there's a, there's a forced integrity because we all want to keep our licenses. So there's a, um, and I think gun owners typically are more independent people. Um, they want to just be left alone to live their lives and enjoy their lives and have some basic human rights, like you know, the right to own property, which just seems to be a problem in Canada. Um, and we're really more, with, with this march, we're demanding integrity from government because what the Liberals are doing right now has nothing to do with public safety. It's entirely political. And that lack of integrity, especially when you're holding lever levers of power, is just unacceptable. What constitutes in your mind a success at this march? Keeping in mind it is the first time something like this has been done by you, by your organization, and I think the first time any even similar event has happened in uh, almost 30 years. So I think if we're able to rally a thousand people, that would be just fantastic. I mean, you got to keep in mind there's a pandemic going on, there's restricted travel, there's uh, a lot of businesses are running at, you know, 50% capacity, you know, the hotel can only rent every third room. There's a lot of things going against us. So if we were able to achieve a thousand people, I think that really speaks volumes to how important guns are and the ability to own and use them are to Canadians. You know, it's quite fascinating. That was, using the lens of hindsight, an interesting discussion because Rod says, you know, a success in his mind is a thousand people and it ended up being thousands, plural, thousands of people. I have to talk about crowd size here for a moment because this is one of the most infuriating aspects of any large event. The idea of how many people attended becomes such a political football 
And I want to just say, first off, I am terrible at counting people. There could be 30 people in front of me and I'll probably get the number wrong. So when you're talking about massive uh, hordes of people, thousands of them, I'm not the guy to go to. But I do have to defend against some of the numbers that we know clearly aren't true. So Polly se souvient, which is a, Polly remembers, it's a, a gun control activist group that was born from the Polytechnique massacre in, in Montreal 30 years ago. They have a visceral loathing for the CCFR. And in fact, they were on Twitter all day nonstop on Saturday and even in the days since trying to say that this was a terrible event, that no one was there, that it didn't matter. They were trying to say there were 800 people there. But one of the concerning parts is that they used as evidence of that a tweet from me that said a police officer said there were 500 to 700 people. The problem is that tweet was more than 30 minutes before the event. And in that 30 minutes, that crowd multiplied in size and throughout the course of the march by the time they actually got to the streets more and more people were there so the ccfr says there were over 5,000 people there and if you look there's this beautiful drone shot that shows everyone lining spark street wrapping around and it's clear there are thousands of people there that's more than 800 people that i know for sure david aiken who's a, a reporter in global news's ottawa bureau he says there were easily four to five thousand i'm not going to say there were 5,000. I'm not going to say there were four to five. I'm going to say there were thousands. And it's really telling that the gun control activists are so terrified of this looking legitimate. They're terrified of the idea that there could have been more people than just, oh, you know, a couple of angry and fringe gun owners. And so I have to say, I was not the one that put forward the hundreds myth. I gave one tweet from one police officer I'd spoken to before the event, just while I'm going around and, and getting the lay of the land. And it's funny, when I corrected the record, uh, Polly did not take it too well. Then they just tweeted something else that I had put out, which, again, didn't really do anything that they were claiming to do. So uh, it is interesting because they've been just nonstop trying to delegitimize it. At one point, uh, they were actually amplifying a tweet from someone that was accusing the CCFR of trying to tell its members not to use social media. This was a, a really weird one. The tweet was that the CCFR is in a panic now because of pushback on social media. Their webpage has an urgent message encouraging members not to use social media any longer, but sign up to a private forum. And I'm like, oh, that's weird. You know, I know Tracy Wilson and Rod Giltaka of CCFR, and I know they like free speech. And I went over to their website, and the evidence that was the basis for this tweet was a graphic asking people to sign up for the CCFR newsletter. Yeah, that was the... That was the smoking gun of this. And Tracy had said on Twitter that that's been there for months. So yeah, a little bit of a panic going on among the gun control activists because one of the hugest parts of this rally is the normalization of gun owners and of gun ownership. Because a lot of people, and I say this as someone from London, Ontario, people from communities across the country where guns are not a part of life or daily life, they don't know necessarily that there are 2 million people in Canada licensed to own guns. They don't know that this is just a, a common thing. I've talked to people, and I'll mention in passing firearms, and they'll say, oh, I didn't know those were legal in Canada. 
So there is a belief there, which is why normalizing this community of people across the country is important. And that was one of the priorities for this event. It wasn't just about activism or lobbying, which I think are important things to do. It was about showing the media, showing the government, and showing just average everyday Canadians that gun owners are a part of their communities, a part of their country. This was my chat with Tracy Wilson, who's the vice president responsible for public relations and communications of the CCFR. So the idea here is, as angry as we are with the government for their constant attack on legal gun owners rather than actual crime and violence, there's a place for that and that's the federal court and we've already filed that. This is a public relations exercise in showing Canadians who we are and who we are as everyday average folks just like them, we just have an extraordinary sport. So yeah, we're not here to be angry, we're going to march, we've got bagpipes, everyone loves the bagpipes. And we're, we're just here to have a great time. So You're in the middle of a pandemic. I know a lot of people couldn't travel to get here. Uh, police, 30 minutes before the event started, said they were thinking already 700 people were here, probably more now. What's the message you want sent to politicians, to the media, to people all over the country? Well, we keep seeing these polls that say 80% of Canadians approve of firearms bans on legal owners. And yet they can't seem to get over 20,000 signatures on a petition. They can't seem to get more than a couple dozen people to show up at their rallies. And my idea is 100% of Canadians would appreciate credible work on crime and violence right across the country. And that's what we're here to ask. We want, we are demanding integrity in the decisions made by our legislators. When you have gun owners that are showing integrity all day long, every day, that are being vetted, that are secure, that are safe, how do you get that message across to politicians that have their own agenda on what gun ownership is? Well, we're sick and tired of being made a political pawn, and that's exactly what happens. J just during the five years that Justin Trudeau's been in power, violent crime has gone up 83%. Shootings are up in the city of Toronto 83%. That's not because of your IPSC shooters or your cowboy action shooters or your trap guys or your hunters, and everybody knows it. So we're, we're going to prove it. We're going to keep showing Canadians the mistakes he's making. Whether or not you think I should have this gun or that gun, you know full well it isn't me out there committing the violence. That was a great perspective, and I liked what she said about it not being about anger, but about public relations, about PR, about saying, hey, this is who we are, we're not going anywhere. And it, let me say, it was just fantastically organized and as far as rallies go, or protests to use the broader term, one thing that I found really interesting is how focused the event was. And this is key because most times protests, especially of the left-wing varieties, they become this hodgepodge and amalgam of every grievance imaginable. And Black Lives Matter is the most recent example of this, where it's about protesting black lives, and then it's also about defund police, and then it also becomes about anti-Israel. Like, they just become about everything. And yeah, there were people here that had signs that were, you know, Trudeau treason and sort of your garden variety anti-Trudeau protesters. But for the most part, and I'm not going to say exclusively, it seemed like this was a really hyper-focused event. Everyone there wanted the same thing, which was to stand up for gun ownership and gun rights. And not everyone was a gun owner. This was the most interesting part. There were a lot of people, and I'm going to play some of the interviews that I did with attendees later on in the show. Some of the people were just there as allies, basically, to use the left-wing term, because they realized that if you allow gun ownership to go down this road of being denied recognition by the government, 
it's only a matter of time before the government will push that envelope further to restrict what is ostensibly a private property right issue. And there is a need in Canada to preserve property rights. But I wanted just for those of you who want to see some of the pomp and ceremony of the event, play this clip. This was when the bagpipers, which ended up leading the march around its route, had come in to get things started off. I know I actually didn't realize this because I had tweeted out that clip. I thought everyone loved bagpipers, but apparently they're quite contentious. Some people are not fans. I like them, but if you don't, it was just 30 seconds. So I hope you don't mind indulging me on that one. But it was actually really good because uh, everyone seemed to uh, enjoy and fall in line. And I mean that in a literal sense and take the parade route with uh, some nice music along the journey as well. And it was actually very short. I mean, Ottawa's downtown is very walkable. The only stop was a, a stop at CBC headquarters, but we'll get to that later on in the show. One of the points that was raised in my chat with Tracy Wilson earlier is how it's not about politicians. And this is also interesting because rallies tend to typically amass this like endless list of speakers and people wanting to shoehorn their way in. And I don't know who she was talking about, but <laughs> Tracy Wilson had said there were some people that were like, yeah, do you want me to speak? And they're like, no, it's not really about speeches. It's just about being there. So it's not for politicians, but I do think that there is a, an importance in highlighting the political response to it. Now, Bill Blair was asked about it by the media and just said nothing about the rally itself. He put out a statement just reaffirming the government's you know, commitment to gun control and defending the ban and all of that stuff. Didn't actually address, hey, how do you deal with the fact that thousands of people have traveled from all over the country to protest what your government is doing, not just from a few blocks away, but people have gotten on planes for this, including, by the way, and I didn't get a chance to speak to them, Olympic athletes. We had the Team Canada. People don't realize shooting is an Olympic sport, and we had people from the Canadian Olympic and competition team that were at that event on the weekend. So that was, I think, tremendous as well. How does the government stand up for Canadian excellence while denigrating and delegitimizing an aspect that is literally an Olympic-class sport in Canada. But I digress. I did catch up with Bob Zimmer, who's always been a big supporter of our work here at True North, a conservative member of parliament who was not there as a speaker. He was in the crowd marching and we spent a couple of moments. Now, unfortunately, we had to cut the interview short because of the aforementioned uh, bagpipers, but we'll happily get Bob back on the show at another point. This was our conversation. Bob, why is it important for you as an MP to march alongside the gun owners and, and gun rights advocates here today? Well, I am one myself, first of all. It's uh, something that I've been passionate about for about nine years, about defending firearms rights in Canada uh, from an old friend, Gary Brackwrights, back in the day. And it's something that seems like the battle never ends. You know, we talked about the long gun registry. We got that fixed when we were in government, and now we see a new registry plus a whole bunch of other things, the bans. We always have to keep up the fight or else they'll take them all if they can. 
Yeah, and that was the big problem. We had some major advances under the Stephen Harper government for gun ownership, and you get a liberal government in there for a couple of years, and, and you're not only back uh, back a couple of steps, but even back worse off than where you were before in, in many respects. So how do you change the culture, not just uh, the government, but change the culture so that no matter who is in government, there's at least a, a base for gun rights? I think it's a great question about, and it, and it highlights what CCFR has done. I think Rod Giltak, anybody that's watched his videos on YouTube, just about the common sense firearms approach. And I think once more Canadians understand that firearms can be operated safe and it's part of our heritage and it's been done so for the last uh, you know 400 years really, and understand that it can be done that way, I think the better the understanding is, the better the culture has changed. And I think CCFR is, I'd say, the, the Guys, best, best group the doing that. Uh, CSSA is another group. There's other good firearms groups out there doing that. But it's really a constant thing that we need to, uh, I'm a former teacher, so we need to educate folks on, on how to do this safely and that it can be done in Canada that way. And taking away firearms from Canadians doesn't, make, doesn't take the guns away from uh, uh, gang members or, or stop them from coming across the border. We need to deal with those real problems. So I think that was great. But again, I must stress, this was most interesting, and I mean no offense to Bob here, because of the ordinary, everyday people that came literally from all over the country. I met people from B.C., from Alberta, from the East Coast, from Quebec, from Yukon. We'll talk to DJ Sumanik, who is Yukon Strong, in just a few moments. But I wanted to put together just a little montage of, of some of the average, ordinary folks that we spoke with that were there because they realized that there is an attack that is at play from the government on lawful gun owners, that scapegoating phenomenon that I mentioned earlier. We came because I'm on things since I'm a kid. Uh, we love to do all that stuff. Uh, I, love, I love my arms. I'm really safe and it's not fair to take our firearms from us. How is the culture in Quebec around guns? Because in, in English Canada, in a lot of the cities, people don't know that guns exist. They don't know they're legal. They don't know anything about them. In the rural areas, it's a bit different. How is it in Quebec? Do people generally support gun ownership or no? But the people that I know, they are. There's a bunch, a little bunch in Montreal and that are against the firearms. But the government, they do the easy way. So... They attack us, which are an easy prey, uh, instead of uh, the criminals, uh, the people with the mentally ill and all that stuff. So they, they don't target the right people. Criminality and will, will remain. That won't sure. change anything. <laughs> so it's and many people uh, feel misunderstood and many people don't uh, talk we say in French, they uh, tra parler à travers son chapeau. They talk about things they don't know. They don't, you know. <laughs> so it, it's quite easy. But uh, when you start to, to learn about it, he's been on things since the age of 12 with his father, grandfather and all that. So it's a way of, of getting together. And uh, now his son is joining us on thing and, and the kids and all that. So um it's good for social gathering. So why are you here all the way from Brampton for this? Uh, it's my right and it's a lot of property that I lost to Trudeau. Yeah, I, I lost about 17, uh, uh, other than ARs, I lost about 17 other guns, uh, shotguns and other stuff. And this is just because the government one day decided that certain things should be illegal just because they want them to be? I, I don't know. It, it's just like uh, Trudeau just wake up in the morning and then make up, make up his mind. I, I, I don't know what's the criteria for uh, 
banning the guns or I have no idea I'm an instructor myself but uh, it's really complicated like how they figure out which ones you shouldn't own it's it's quite a uh, confusing why is it important to take a stand at an event like this with what you're going through uh, sooner or later sooner or later you need to uh, I mean um, we're facing C68 since 98 2000 uh, sooner or later you're gonna you're gonna lose your uh, right and uh, it's not a, just the gun owners who's losing their rights it's it's almost uh, uh, by the time we leave this country your kids and my kids probably will not have any right mostly the government will tell them oh you need to wake up seven o'clock in the morning it's too early okay turn the lights off sort of thing yeah my name is Ron Grudanis. I'm from Stetler, Alberta. I have a uh, farm in Stetler, and I decided to come out here to the Integrity March because I want my kids to have a hope and a future later on. I thought, uh, you know, the anthem is, it's the true north strong and free, but the way we're going, it's going to be the true north oppressed and repressed, and I just can't stand by and do nothing for my kids' future. They're, what am I going to leave for them if I don't stand against this basic... Uh, disrespect to democracy and everything that we stand for. Like We're going to have Remembrance Day here on November 11th, and there was a whole pile of people that died and gave their life and bled for freedom and truth. This, what we got going on right now here in Canada, this isn't it. This order in council is just, it's symbolic. We no longer have property rights. We no longer have freedom. The government doesn't trust us. If we don't stand up and do something, then what, what, what are we going to leave our kids? There are a lot of people that would say the gun issue isn't the one that should be the hill to die on, but you're saying that this issue is really connected to a lot of other things that are central to freedom for your kids and their future. Why is that? You know, I was born in the Netherlands, and when the Nazis marched into Holland and took it over, they took, the first thing they did is they came in, they took away the guns because they didn't trust the people, they wanted to oppress the people, they wanted to do whatever. It is not the hill to die on for guns because guns don't kill people, people do, but it is the start of something. It is very symbolic. When you take away guns from people, what you're doing is you're saying, we no longer trust you, you don't have the freedom that you have, you don't have a right to private property, you don't have a right to whatever, we're going to control you. And that's the bigger uh, crux of the matter. Is it guns? Is it not guns? It's the symbolism that's involved in it. So I mentioned Yukon Strong earlier. I'd be remiss to not specifically play my longer interview with him. Now, this is DJ Sumanik, who's a wilderness guide and multimedia personality in, as his name would suggest, Yukon. Yukon Strong, I told him I'd actually had forgotten his first name because he just only goes by Yukon Strong on social media, typically. But DJ and I had a, a chat. Interestingly enough, when he and I spoke, I had wanted to connect with him. And in the lead up to the event, and he and I have been tweeting back and forth of like, you know, see you there, looking forward to it. So I was glad he actually sought me out and, and we were able to have a chat right in front of Center Block on Parliament Hill. But why this is interesting is because he actually is from the north. And a lot of the time what happens is people like Bill Blair and Justin Trudeau try to view the North in an abstract sense, not in a, its literal sense, as being distinct from everywhere else in the country when it comes to gun ownership. And they do this because they don't want to raise the ire of Indigenous communities and, and rural folks in the North when they go after the guns. They say, oh, no, 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 well, they need them. You don't. 
And they'll say this. They'll say, oh, well, you know, Yukon Strong might need a gun, but you, Andrew, in London, you don't. Someone in Toronto doesn't. And the problem is that rights are rights. You can't start putting in different classes of citizens, which is one of the big issues. So that was one of the things I actually had wanted to talk about with DJ. But here's our interview on Saturday. Why was it worth it? Why was it worth making the trek to Ottawa for this? You know, there, there's about 50 reasons. I could say each one as valid as the last. But, you know, I think, honestly, I came here today to get a, 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 an answer to a question. And I, I would ask everyone out there watching this, what is missing from this country right now? And I would suggest that it is leadership. This country is lacking leadership on every front and everywhere you turn, there's encroachments, incremental encroachments, infringements, just tiny little aggressions to our, our civil liberties, uh, our financial well-being, and firearms are, are very important to me. You know, I, I was raised in the in the bush up there in the Yukon. I started out on a trap line with my father. You know, hunting has been an integral part of my life. And at the end of the day what we did here today it's just a smaller piece of a much larger problem that's growing in Canada and um, you know I would suggest that everyone came that came down here today they're the leaders that this country needs right now they, they all had the courage and the bravery to come out and, and step up and stand for what's right because what's happening right now is not okay with this uh, OIC ban like we're, we're just you know, clapping on the end of democracy in, in many respects, because no matter how you feel about firearms in this country, uh, moving forward, the the door is wide open now for every future government to, to treat any class of citizen just like we're being treated. And uh, it's it's going to be big trouble if, if, if we don't wake up soon. One of the challenges I find being a, a gun owner in a suburban city in Canada is that a lot of the people that want to ban guns, they'll draw lines around people like you. They'll say, now we're not talking about taking them away from people in the north or people in indigenous communities where guns are, as you mentioned, a, a bit more of a way of life. Do you agree with that segregation of gun ownership? Or do you think your right as a northerner is the same as someone from Toronto or Vancouver? Um, well, the first thing I'd like to suggest is that the people that are forming this this information or opinions about this uh, dynamic that's going on right now is they're being deliberately misinformed, right? So they're they're operating on, on an opinion that that doesn't have all the facts, and they can say, yeah, okay, well, it's different if you're living out in the bush or you're different in, in downtown, but it's not really. I had to fly down here across the country, right, because there's a bunch of people who I've never met. You know, I, my firearms have never come to the streets of Toronto. My, my firearms were not involved in, in Nova Scotia. Yet you're telling me that somehow I'm such a, a, a potential threat that I, I, I have to be criminally targeted by the government. It, it's it's absurd. You know, I, I don't object to, you know, the urban Ottawa, Toronto way of life. They can have, have their world and live however they want to live. That's fine. I would just like the same thing. And... It doesn't really matter where the firearm is located. The, the problem that we're dealing with right now is that there are good people, there are bad people. We we need more. We need more mental health. We need more funding to uh, bring education and awareness to this uh, issue. Because until we address the person who has homicidal intent, that's that's really the the root of it. 
it, it's never going to get better no matter what laws are, are passed. And the proof's in the pudding now. The, the ban was May 1st. Uh, gun crime, according to Brian Lilly yesterday, he says it's up 12% since the ban. I think 24% since last year, and now we're moving uh, into 80% territory since Trudeau took over in 2015. So whatever he's suggesting is clearly, clearly not working whatsoever. It's making things worse. Yeah, and we saw that, as I've spoken about with some other people here in the wake of the Nova Scotia shooting. It didn't matter that the killer was unlicensed and his guns weren't legally owned. That was really the straw that the Trudeau government needed to, in its mind, put forward this ban, suggesting it wanted to no matter what. And I do think your perspective is an interesting one because you understand the utility of firearms completely separate from the violence of them and there are a lot of people in the media people in the left in canada certainly a lot of the gun control activists that because they have lived in the same few square kilometers in toronto or vancouver or montreal they don't know that guns are a way of life for people yeah see this is they they see that as kind of like an alien planet but for me to come here and and join a huge group of people that where firearms are not aware of their life that's an alien planet for me you know and that's what canadians all across the country need to remember that there are different lifestyles this is a huge country we're at different stages in development and you know for me i I don't think i could ever live in a big city like this the outdoors it's part of my soul (laughs) you know what i mean like that is my world uh but I understand, you know, there is a real problem with, with criminal behavior down here, particularly in Toronto. Uh, I, I do understand that something needs to be done to address it. But I'd like to, you know, look at helping out police, like I said, mental health, things like that, uh, community outreach, things that address the root problem of the crime. Because if you take away these guns, they're just going to find another way. They're, they're going to start stabbing each other. They're going to start running people over, you know. The, the thing, like you, you brought up Nova Scotia, um, you know, nine of the victims there, that was absolutely tra- tragic. They, they they were killed via arson. And, you know, I understand that that type of behavior must be stopped at all, all costs, but I, I, I was on the other side of the country. I, I, I had nothing to do with that. The gun owners in Nova Scotia had nothing to do with that. Banning my firearms is not going to stop gun smuggling. That is how he got those firearms. He had a deliberate, methodical plan. And until we address that compulsion for people to to engage in that behavior, it's going to happen again. It's going to happen again. And a ban is just, it's all, all, I think personally, the main reason that Justin's trying to do do this ban is he's looking for a political division so that he can say vote for us we'll save you i must say it was just so tremendously enjoyable to be around normal people and i say that with no offense to the people i encounter in my day-to-day life but let's face it when you have people that are from a I, I say niche community, not in a judgmental way, but just a, a specific community that are all in one place that you can talk about. I mean, it's the only place where, you know, jokes about guns, jokes about politicians, talking about all this stuff, where you like know you're going to land it with whoever you're talking to because everyone is in agreement on a lot of key issues. So that was a pretty fun and I really enjoyed that. And I do have to say, we went there as a responsibility to gun owners in our audience and our entire audience, even people who aren't gun owners. I've actually had emails from people over the last few days that are like, you know, listen, True North, you've lost me because I I don't like guns. And some of these people, all of them I've responded to, but some of them 
I've actually won over by explaining, listen, I mean, you don't need to like guns to understand what is at play here. You don't need to want guns to understand why rights need to be stood up for, why the rule of law needs to be stood up for. And some people are like, I don't care, I'm unsubscribing, to which I say, all right, have fun. But I have to thank all of you at True North out there, the True North Nation audience that we rely on so heavily to do the work we do for not just uh, paying attention and watching and listening and reading and all of that, which we appreciate. For those who have contributed financially to send me to Ottawa, to send us to all of the places where news is happening that we want to be on the ground for, thank you very much. You know, I was so moved by all of the people there that like came up to me and I'm not a celebrity. I'm like a Z-list celebrity or Z-list celebrity. But all the people that came up and were saying, hey, you know, can I get a picture with you? And, you know, thank you so much for all the work you do. That is so important. I mean, independent media, I've talked about this in the past. We are up against a lot of barriers. You know, when I was covering the liberal campaign in October, you know, I had cops called on me. I was, uh, you know, relegated to the parking lot. So to be anywhere where I'm welcomed is very nice. And specifically this sort of crowd, I was so appreciative of everyone there. Tracy Wilson, when she was speaking, had actually given a shout out to independent media. And I, I wasn't filming at that exact time, but it was heard and appreciated. And I thank everyone there who has supported. I had people coming up that were saying, hey, I'm going to donate just because you're here. And it's about all of the journalism we're doing. This is a key part of it, though, because we know the mainstream media is not favorably covering gun owners and gun ownership. And part of it's because they don't get it. They don't understand it. They've never been around it. But it is also important to understand that you have an obligation to address deficiencies in your knowledge when confronted them. And that's where a lot of people in the media stop short. They don't actually take it upon themselves to learn about this aspect of Canada. And at first it was apparent there was no media there, no mainstream media. Near the end of the march, uh, we did see some. There was a, a CTV truck that was filming. There was a Canadian press photographer going around. Now, we don't know if they had planned to cover it or if they just looked out their office windows and saw how many people were there and were saying, shoot, we better, we better get in. We better do this. But it was interesting because the event stopped at CBC headquarters uh, on Spark Street, or it's Ottawa headquarters. And Rod Giltaka had, you know, said, hey, we're here. Are you coming out to cover us? I have to get 4,000 people to stand in front of your building for them to be treated like normal Canadians. We're here. And they did end up covering. They did. Tracy, I saw later, was doing an interview with a Radio Canada reporter. But even so, there is a significant question to be asked here about the media approach to this. I caught up with Sheila Gunn-Reed, who is the chief reporter at Rebel News, and asked her about this. Some of the themes that brought her and I there. We both flew in to cover this event. Why it was so important for us to be there. Uh, Sheila, I know you're a longtime gun owner, gun advocate. You've got the sweater to go along with it here. But let me ask you from the media perspective, because you and I, I think, are probably here for the same reason, which is that if we aren't, there will be no media here to cover it. And, and again, if someone shows up and proves us wrong, great. But is that your thought going into this? I think that it could go one of two ways. We will either have nobody here to cover it, because when you are following the media coverage of the recent gun grab, from the mainstream media, it seems to be overwhelmingly in support of the gun grab. When you see their polling, their polling numbers, it 
demonstrates, at least in their narrative, that the majority of Canadians are for an assault weapons ban. Well, so am I. That's why they've been banned forever. Um, and so that's been the narrative from the mainstream media. Are they going to come out here and bust their own narrative? I'm not so sure about that. Or secondarily, we could have mainstream media come out to show this rally for something that it's not. You know, overwhelmingly male, a bunch of angry white people chanting and holding signs, radical, extremist, racist, add your exists at the end of it. Um, so, you know, I, I'm just here to show the other side of the story, and I think you're here to do the same thing. Yeah, you raise a good point there. I mean, there are generally a couple of key things that the media will do at events like this. If the crowd size is of a certain size, they'll say, oh, it's embarrassing, no one came out. And if it's above that size, then they'll say, oh, it was angry rioters. And we see that from the, with the March for Life, you know, one of the largest events to happen on Parliament Hill, always peaceful. And there's a, a mischaracterization of it there. And, and I mean, sure, to some extent, you could say all news is good news. But there is a, a real issue in Canada and in the Canadian media where, and this is, I mean, what's behind the organization of this, gun owners need to be normalized and, and say, hey, there are millions of us, we're here, we're not hurting you. And I would hope that no matter how the media covers it, a lot of ordinary Canadians who may not know that gun ownership is as ubiquitous as it is will say, oh, wow, I didn't know that was so normal in Canada. Well, I think, though, that that um, silence from gun owners or that quiet gun ownership in Canada comes from a history of confiscations. You know, as gun owners, you don't want to come out and say, well, I own an AR-15 because you've just identified yourself as now somebody who owns a firearm that you obtained legally that is now something that should be confiscated. So uh, there's this quiet gun ownership in Canada and that culture of confiscation and that culture of control from Ottawa has sort of fostered that. It's very different than what you see in the United States. And again, um, you know, when when lawful firearms owners are continually scapegoated, I think, by the federal government for crimes and gang violence happening in Canada's major cities like Toronto, I mean, the government is clearly taking the path of least resistance. You are going after these lawful, law-abiding people who always follow the rules as terrible as they are and as onerous as they are. Um, hopefully what will happen today and i'm confident that uh from the outside looking in you're just going to see a bunch of very normal average canadians who look like your neighbors because they are your neighbors standing up for private property ownership yeah, and that in and of itself is a hurdle in this day and age of having private property ownership respected. I mean, we're in a period right now where statues are coming down, monuments are coming down, not far from here in, in Montreal. So even that basic premise that you could argue with to someone who's not a gun owner of, okay, well, what if someone were to come and take another piece of property? There are a lot of people in this country that that argument wouldn't really hold water because they don't even respect that core property right as existing. Right, I mean, for... Canadian gun owners, they did everything right. They followed all the steps. They they did everything that was required of them by the government. And yet, overnight, their lawful property was basically outlawed. And now they have to wait for the government to tell them what it's worth so that they could possibly be uh, compensated for it or face criminal charges for not turning their firearms in. For the average person who doesn't own a firearm, that's like one day waking up and finding that your car 
that you did everything right to obtain. You you bought it yourself, you got your driver's license, you insured it. You woke up one day and they said, I'm sorry, your car goes too fast or it's black or it looks scary or the tires are too big. Sorry, you can't have it anymore. That's what, And we'll tell you how much it's worth when you give it to us or we're gonna throw you in the slammer. That's what's happened to Canadian gun owners here. I've got to ask you about the shirt. Firearm rights are human rights. Now, if you say something is a human right in 2020, it's a trump card over everything else. So do you think this is the winning argument? Actually, I would even go a little further and maybe pull a card out of my social justice deck and say firearms rights are women's rights. Um, We're the smaller, fairer sex firearms are the equalizer. Now, in Canada, we don't even have the right to self-defense in the way that American women do. But um, for, you know for Canadians. It's a human right because we have a human right to own property. It was always great chatting with Sheila. We always have such an amazing time whenever we run into each other at events. I've hung out with her in England and Calgary and Ottawa. I'm sure there's probably another city. Oh, in Toronto. She was at the Independent Press Gallery Fireside Chats a few weeks ago. It's always a a grand old time, and I I was so appreciative that I had a a few minutes to catch up with her in Ottawa on the weekend. But that was a wrap, and you know what? I had such an amazing time, but there was, more importantly, such an important story to be told there. So I thank, again, all of you who contributed to make that coverage happen. I thank all of you who watched the coverage and are watching this. Please do let me know what you think in the comments. If you want to shoot me a note, my email is Andrew at andrewlawton.ca. And I will just put in a plug, anything we do has to come from the people that value the work we're doing. So please do head on over to tnc.news slash donate and you can contribute and we very much appreciate it. But I wanna end not with my words, but end with a little bit of the wrap up of the Integrity March, the CCFR's event on Parliament Hill. Thank you, God bless and good day Canada. Congratulate yourselves, we made history today. We had a great march. Nobody got hurt. No buildings were burned. No one was assaulted. No garbage got left behind. Isn't that something? I thought we were dangerous. When I get back on Twitter, I can't wait to rub it in their faces. A big thank you to all you hardworking, salt of the earth, good, decent people who came out here today. for listening to The Andrew Lawton Show. Support the program by donating to True North at www.tnc.news.